Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today, I want to take you to the passage that we're starting. It's kind of a key passage for us when we talk about uh, finances and, and how we approach finances in our lives. So turn over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, go to verse 42. We uh, started this series last week, and if you weren't here, let me just catch you up real quick. We told you last week that you take a test every time that you get paid. And the test is something like this. Who am I going to worship? And what we said from that is that money isn't so much about money as it is about lordship. It's about who you worship. And we said if we took a look at your bank account, your bank statement, we could tell you exactly where your priorities are. And uh, the other thing we covered last week was we said that the world sells us this idea. And if you don't know what these cylinders are, uh, we have tithing, which is give, save, and spend, and, and so we're going to talk more about these in the next couple of weeks when we get into saving and spending, but today I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that tithing, that giving, and what God is looking for from us in that, but what we found out is, is last week, we are taught by the world that we are to spend, save, and give, and, and what we learned is that scripture actually flips that on its head, and it says the, the real way of doing it, the, the God-honoring way of doing that is give, save, and spend. We also took a look at the idea uh, that the reason the Bible sets it up like that is because Visa can't bless your finances. Um, Amazon can't bless your finances. Only God can bless your finances. And that's why we start with give and then save and then spend. Then we took a look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. And what we found out is that this is the only area in our walk with Christ that we're told to test God. He says, test me in that. Give, and it doesn't even say give, it says bring. We said we can't give a tithe, we have to bring it back because tithing is really just returning back to God a portion of what he's already given us. And so uh, one of the things that we, we got were a lot of questions about giving last week, and that was very good. But one of the things I realized is there's a lot of you who are struggling with that giving thing because you've heard in the past, or maybe it was a church that you were involved in, you heard that giving is no longer a part of the, the Christian walk because that's an Old Testament. And the way it was, it was asked was, isn't tithing an Old Testament thing? It's before the New Covenant when Jesus came. And so we're not held to that standard any longer. We're not supposed to tithe. And that's kind of the way it came across. And, and I would just say it this way. If, if that's you, if you're thinking that way, and there might be several of you in here, that last week I was really hitting on that 10% because I was building it up for this week, and we'll talk more about it here in just a second. But you caught me on it, and you said, hey, that's an Old Testament thing. That's not a New Covenant thing. We're not held to that 10% any longer. I just want to show you uh, in red letters, which are the words of Jesus, uh, something that might reverse that thinking for you. It's right here in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he's kind of letting them have it a little bit, if you will. And this is what he says. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? 
For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden. Um, let me stop for a minute and say, this would be the, the same thing as you going to your spice rack in your kitchen and taking out some cinnamon, some garlic, and, and sectioning off 10%. I mean, you're being that careful. You're like tithing everything back to God. That's what he's saying that they're doing. Uh, you tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Look at what Jesus says. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, really what Jesus is saying here is, look, don't just tithe. Like, just because you are tithing, yes, you should tithe. And this is Jesus' words here. He's, he's affirming that tithe. Hey, yes, you should do that. But that doesn't mean just because you tithe that you can let everything else go. You can go out and you can, you can just be a jerk to people around you. you. You don't have to love them. You can just forego all the other commands that are given in Scripture because you tithe. That's not right. And Jesus is saying, yes, tithe, but you still have to fulfill the rest of Scripture in your walk with Christ. And so he's saying, don't neglect all those other things. Why? And he even says, those are even more important. It's more important that you love God and that you love people around you than even, even the tithe. He's even given us a priority list, but he even says, yes, you should tithe. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, go to verse 6 through 8. Now, last week, I did this on purpose, and for those of you that were here last year, uh, I heard a lot from you, which was awesome because that told me you were listening last year. You got it. And uh, a lot of you were like, wait, you kept hitting 10%, 10%, 10%. Uh, and, and the reason I did that last week is because the, the whole idea of tithing comes from this Hebrew word that means a tenth or 10%. And, and so I was hitting on that really hard to say, hey, 10%, you should be tithing 10%. Now, if you were here last year, you know that I did an entire message on the fact that it wasn't about the 10%. And you called me on it. I was just loved it all week long. I was hearing from you. I'm like, wait till next week, wait till next week, wait till next week. So here we are. And, and I get to say this. Uh, it's not really about the 10%. I mean, the 10% is what was laid out in the Old Testament. And, and Jesus affirms, yes, you should be tithing. But see, here's what's interesting about it is Jesus didn't ever say 10%. And I'll tell you why. Because it's more about the heart than it is about the amount. Uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Remember that as we give to God, what we're doing is we're actually giving back to him a portion of what he's already given to us. And we talked about this last week. The fact that we're giving back to God says that we trust that he can do more with 90% than we could with 100%. And, and God is saying, look, I want you to put me first in every area of your life. Finance is included, and so I'm asking that you give this back. And when you do that, it says here that he'll bless you abundantly. If you sow uh, sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, then you reap generously. And, and the idea is God wants to see us step out in faith and give to him. But the question is, how do we give? 
How do we give? It says here that God loves a cheerful giver. But so often, that's not really where we're at when we're giving. And we struggle with that. And, and God is saying, look, I want your heart. That's what I want. And, and so um, God is not after your money. He's not up there with, with this heavenly calculator making sure that down to the penny, you've given 10%. That's not what he is doing. What God is doing through the practice of tithing is he's trying to get a hold of your heart. He wants you to put him first in every area of your life. And somehow, God being God, knew that we were always going to struggle with money. Like this was going to be one of the hardest places for us to actually step out in faith, to to trust him, to, to commit to him. And therefore, he calls us out and says, look, I want you to give me the first 10%. Um, Luke chapter 12 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jesus knew that wherever we were putting our money, that's where our heart was at. And it's interesting to me, it's not the other way around. It's not where my heart is, that's where my finances go. Isn't that interesting? It's where your money goes, your heart follows that. You commit yourself to that, and that's where God directs your heart. Tithing is more about your heart than your finances. It's more about our hearts than it is about our money. God doesn't need our money. He's got plenty. It says he owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. He made everything by, by speaking it into existence. You think he wants your measly 10%? He doesn't care about that. He wants your heart. That's what this is all about. Tithing is about our hearts, not about our money. And so, get this, how we give matters. How we give matters. Now, I want to prove this to you, that, that God wants um, your heart more than he wants your finances. And, and I, I get to show you a passage that I think revolutionized the way I approached my giving. Uh, it was something I struggled with mightily for many years because this, this passage would come up, especially as a new believer and, and trying to, to you know, share my faith with my friends. This thing would come up and I didn't have an answer for it because I struggled with it. And it's actually in Genesis chapter 4. Head over to Genesis chapter 4, go to verse 2 through 7. Uh, what's interesting is, is when you're going through the scriptures, you'll run across this passage, and it is the, actually the first place that tithing is ever mentioned in all of scripture. And, and so many people want to talk about tithing being an Old Testament law thing. Do you realize that this came about 500 years before the law was ever given? And yet we see this giving back to God, this sacrifice, this offering, going back to God. And it comes from, from Cain and Abel, the, the sons of Adam and Eve. It's like the first two, two men to walk the face of the earth that were born here. And, and here they are, they're giving back to God. And what you're going to find out is that God accepts one gift and he rejects the other. And I struggled with that for a long time because I'm like, how in the world could God reject somebody's gift? I mean, at least he tried, right? I mean, he gave what you asked him and you reject it. Why would you do that? And I really struggled with that until I started to dive into this text and realized why. And I want to show you that God cares more about your heart than he does about your finances. Uh, Genesis chapter 4 starts off and says this. Later she gave birth, talking about Eve, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. So you have Cain, the older brother, and Abel, the younger brother. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Now, all that means is that we are told what their occupations were. 
So you have uh, Cain in this moment. Cain is, is cultivating the ground. He's growing crops. He's, so he's, he's bringing grain back to God. You have Abel who's, who's you know, raising animals. And so he's bringing back a, a live sacrifice is what he's doing to God. And so they just have two different occupations that it doesn't matter what the occupation is. And sometimes we get off track thinking, well, God preferred the animal over the grain. That's not what this is about at all. It goes on to say, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented what? Some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. When it's time for the harvest, Cain presented some to the Lord. Uh, are you seeing a motive here? Let, let me demonstrate it this way because I think this is so key for us. Uh, what I have here, hopefully, if Jeremy didn't take anything, uh, is ten, $10 bills, uh, making $100 here, okay? Uh, so if, if I just fan them out here, just show you. Uh, here's what usually happens, at least in my household. For many years, I'd get paid, let's say I get paid $100 here, and uh, what I would do is uh, my mortgage would be due, so I would take some for my mortgage, uh, and then my utilities would come in, right? And then groceries, and then, you know, whatever we wanted to do, see the movies or whatever. And if there was anything left over, we would give some to the Lord. This is what would happen. So I want you to get the heart in this. This is what Cain is doing. This is how Cain is giving. His harvest is coming in, and he's presenting some. He's giving some to the Lord. Now, take a look at the next verse in verse 4. Look how Abel gives. Abel also brought a gift. The what? The best portions of the what? Firstborn lambs of his flock. This is how Abel's giving. He has $10 bills. And what he does is he takes the best and the first right off of the top. And he gives to the Lord. And then whatever he needs comes out of the rest. Do you see a difference there? Because I want you to see this. This is a huge difference when it comes to the way we give and the heart behind how we give to the Lord. How we give matters because it reveals the heart of the giver. It reveals what our priorities are. It's about lordship. And God wants to be first in every area of our lives. Look at what he, uh, how he views their gifts. It says, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Now, some of your translations say that the Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his gift. Not just his gift, but Abel himself. Don't miss this. This was a reflection of who Abel was in his heart toward God. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. How we give makes a big difference in the way that God views our gift. Uh, I, I would say it this way, that tithing is giving God my first and best. This is what God wants from us. Not because you have to. Remember, we, he doesn't want it reluctantly. He wants it as a, from a cheerful giver. But because you love him, you recognize who he is in your life, and you give to him willingly sacrificially, cheerfully. And when you do that, your gift is viewed differently than if you did it begrudgingly. Now, why is this so important? 
Because I believe that this expresses to God where our trust is at, where we place our faith. Is it in money? Is it in, is it in our abilities? Is it in God? Where, where do we place our trust? Even, even down to the point of, of providing our daily needs, where is our trust at? Is it in ourselves? Are we leaning into our own abilities and into our finances, what we have in the savings account? Or are we actually asking God to provide for that? Where is that trust at? Look how God responds in verse 6. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. I don't know if it could be any more clear than that. See, I'm afraid in the church today we have a ton of dejected people because they've given reluctantly, not not because they recognize who Jesus is and and because he's the Lord of their life and they place him first in every area of their life. They're just doing it because they're trying to mark that box off. They're just going through the motions and then they wonder why they're not seeing the blessing like some of the other people around them. And they're dejected. And, and God tells them, look, you will be accepted if you do what is right. This also implies to me that there's a right way to give and there's a wrong way to give. And unfortunately, I think many of us have been given the wrong way. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Look at this. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Man, what a warning. If you're, if you're approaching this wrong, be careful. Because sin is crouching at the door. And you must control it. You must must be the master over it. Don't allow it to master you. So today, I want to challenge you into taking that step forward, just toward this idea of putting God first, especially in this area of your life. Take these steps to say, God, you, you are first and foremost Lord of my life, and I trust you. And so therefore, I'm going to take it off the top. I'm going to give you my best and first because I know that only you can bless my finances. When you bring God your first and best, he promises to bless the rest. It's in scripture. He says, test me. Test me and see if I won't swing open the doors of heaven and bless you to such a degree that you can't even store it. Test me in this. And so often we struggle in testing him with just a little bit. Do you, do you see this? This is, uh, this is actually to scale, if you can believe it. This is 10%, 10%, and, 80%. And this is all, some of you are having to like look around people just to see this because it's so low. This is all he's asking. Like, just give me back 10. Just bring it back. And we struggle in even doing that. Now, I think um, one of the mistakes that we make all the time is we think that, okay, God, especially as a first-time giver, I'm going to give this, and I want to see something come back. Like, I want to I give you $10, and I want to see 20 come back. And I want to let you know, that's not what we're saying here this morning either. Don't misunderstand this. Because we can't tell you what the blessing looks like. The blessing is all over the place. It's amazing the, the number of people I talked to last week and heard how God was blessing them. And most of the time, it wasn't in the area of money. Uh, Let me give you some examples. Uh, Maybe it's the fact that God stretches things more than you ever could. Things last longer 
Um, my wife and I, we have two cars. One of them was given to us by my father-in-law. It's got like 225,000 miles on it. It's still going. The other one we paid cash for. They're both over 10 years old. They're older cars. Uh, the one we paid for, it's got over 125,000 on it. And they're both going strong. And I think I'll, I'll see another 100,000 out of that one. I'm on bonus time right now. I don't pay anything for those cars. Maybe that's the way God blesses you. Things stretch, they go longer. And, and some of you are like, well, that's just normal. No, it's not. I've had a lot of cars break down on me. But these are, these are lasting. Um, maybe, maybe it's uh, every time you need something, it's on sale. I can't even tell you the number of times I've seen this happen. You know, you need something, something breaks, something goes down, or you're looking to buy something, you finally get the money, and you go to buy it, and it's on sale. And that's, that's exactly the way God works. It's amazing how that works sometimes. My wife and I, when we were moving into our house a year and a half ago, she had ordered this washer and dryer set. And they brought it out, delivered it, hooked it up, and it didn't work. It was a manufacturer problem. And so they took it out, they brought us another set, hooked it up, um, didn't work. Second, didn't work. So we're like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. Um, you know, I'm out of underwear. We need to go buy some, we need to buy a washer and dryer, right? So we went down there in person and uh, they said, well, we don't have that model in stock. And, and so we started looking around. Well, there was a model that was like a grade up that had been returned. It had one little dent in the side and it was for a third of what we paid for the others. They, they gave us money and gave us a better washer and dryer. Isn't that amazing how that works sometimes? I mean, it's things like that. And you can say it's a coincidence all you want, but I've seen it happen more times than just a couple. Um, I think one of the ways that we're blessed when we really put God first in this area of our lives is in the area of relationships. It's amazing to me. I, I had a couple come up to me after the service on Sunday last week talking about this, and they came up, and it was interesting hearing them talk because they said last year when we did this series, we committed ourselves to tithe for the first time. We didn't think we could do it. We tithed, and, and, and this is what the husband said. He said, I couldn't believe, now that we're at this place, I couldn't believe, looking back on it, how many fights we had over money, and we don't fight over money anymore. Like, it's amazing. He says, we even fought so much, we were even questioning whether we should even be married, and yet today, because we got our finances in order and we're on the same page, our relationship is so blessed. We're excited about being married. We love being married. Maybe it's in the area of relationships. See, I think for some of you, uh, some of you in your marriage, this could be the biggest deciding factor to, to you guys having a thriving, God-honoring marriage. This could be the source of the majority of all your problems, and you might see a big change in your marriage if you just made this one step and did it together. It could revolutionize your marriage. Now, the truth is that those who tithe are blessed, and those who don't are burdened and broke. And as your pastor, I don't want you burdened and broke. I want you blessed that's why we're doing this series, so that we learn this and we would take these steps. There's no telling how God will bless you in this. Uh, I sat down uh, with somebody this last week, and she was telling me that, uh, you know, a year ago when we went through this series, she was making $12,000 a year, and uh, two kids at home, couldn't make it, barely making it, and she said, um, just long story short, she decided to tithe. 
And she said, I, I was sitting there thinking just what everyone else thinks, you know, that there's no way. Like, I, there's no way. I'm, I'm barely making it. I got two kids to care for. And, and, and she said, God just placed upon her heart. No, this, I want you to be obedient in this area. And she said, I, I started tithing. And she said that she, got her, she just got her giving statement for last year. And she said she looked at it, and the first tithe she gave was $15. And uh, looking back on it now, she's kind of laughing about it, but she said, here's what happened. She said, I started looking for a better job, and I filled out an application for one job, and they called me back, and they said, hey, uh, you filled out an application for this job, but we have this job available that we think you'd be better suited for, and it pays a lot more. She wasn't even looking for this job. See, this is the way God works. This is how he works. He blesses you. And I can't even describe to you how he's going to bless you. I can't promise you anything. I can't tell you that, yes, you're going to get 20 back for 10. That's not, that's not how God works. But I'm promising you this, that he says, trust me in this. And if you trust him in this, if you give him your first and best, he will bless the rest. That's what I'm promising you. Now, for some of you, I know you're thinking, Don, I, there's just no way. Hey, I just don't, don't think that's going to work out. And so here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to wait until I make some more money and then we'll start to give. Because I know that's a common thought. And my question to that is this. Why would God, why would God give you more when you haven't been faithful with what he's already given you? Does that make sense? Like I think he's waiting for you to be faithful before he'll trust you with more. I've heard it said this, uh, the reason God blesses the faithful giver is because a, a faithful giver being blessed is able to give more. It's the step of faith. This step comes first before anything else. And, and let me just tell you, I believe that this is one of the areas that Satan attacks us most. He attacks us on the areas of baptism and tithing. And I'll tell you why. I think it's because those are two of the first steps that you take as a believer in Jesus Christ. And he, he thinks, if I can get him to compromise on those, what else could I get him to compromise on? And so he taxes us on those two fronts so, so hard. It's unbelievable how many people struggle with those two things. Now, I want to tell you, last week I gave you a three-month challenge, and it still stands. If you're not tithing, uh, if you weren't here last week, let me just tell you what I said. Last week, I, I, I said that if you would tithe, if you would start today and start tithing for the next three months and you get to the end of three months and you don't see God moving and you come and you find me, we will refund every cent to you. If you give cash, put it in an envelope, put your name on it uh, so that we can record it, but we'll give you back every cent. Why, why can I say that? Because God says, test me in that. Now, I did get back through the uh, grapevine. It was kind of funny that there was a rumor going around that I said that if you're not tithing to this church, then go to a different church. That's not what I said at all, okay? So let me just be very clear about it again and say what I said last week. And if you don't believe me, go, go listen to the podcast last week. What I said was, if you can't tithe to this church because you, for whatever reason, don't trust the leadership here, this is such an important principle it's an, such an important step for you as a believer. This is why God spoke about it so often that I said, if you don't trust the leadership here to give to this church and tithe and to fulfill that spiritual discipline, then I want you to find another church where you do trust the leadership so that you can take these steps of obedience. I said that. That's what I said. I didn't say if you're not tithing here. And I actually said just the opposite. If you're not a believer, we don't want you tithing. 
You haven't taken that step yet. That's not for you. You get to have fun for the next few weeks. Like I said last week, watching everybody else go, oh man, I got to give. So have fun with that, all right? But if you've received Christ, this is, this, this is that step. And it's hard for so many of us. I, I want to challenge you and encourage you to take this step. Three months and just test God and see what he does in that. Let me pray for us. God, this is uh, one of those steps where we struggle because it requires trust. And it's a trust in an area that we so many times have a death grip on. We feel like we're the only ones that have the answer to this problem. And God, we, we acknowledge that this morning. We acknowledge that this is an area where we struggle. And I'm asking that you would just give us the confidence, the faith, and the courage to step out, to trust you, to test you in this. God, as we move into this, this time of, of just invitation, of inviting you into our hearts to, to speak your truth into our hearts about this subject, uh, we're singing this song, My Heart is Yours. God, we acknowledge that this is not so much a money issue as it is a heart issue. And God, we, we dedicate everything back to you. We want to make you first in everything. And God, may this be the day that we start that process. I pray that you would give us the courage to do that. And we know that in that, that your blessings will come, that you will show your faithfulness, and that we'll be people who will be molded and shaped to look more and more like you because of this step. We thank you for all these things. We praise the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.